Help her with the trunks, boys, Reese shouted. Let's get her off to the Grand Central. The Sarah little relished making her entrance into Deadwood in the company of the Eureka Saloon's clientele. She had no idea how she'd carry two trunks to the hotel on her own. It struck her, too, that as a newspaper woman, she would be prudent to avoid alienating any of the townspeople on her first night in town. This was a gold town. Gold spelled money, and money meant rowdiness. Any one of these men could be the owner of the lot she might want to buy, or the building she might want to rent, or a member of the town board, for that matter. You're in luck, Reese said, climbing the steps of a tall, false-fronted building with the first boardwalk she'd seen. The Grand Central just opened last week. They took her right inside across a Spartan lobby to the desk where they formed a circle around her, grinning while presenting her to the night clerk. Got a customer for you, Sam. This here's Miss Merritt. Just came in on the Cheyenne stage. This is Sam Peoples, Shorty filled in for Peoples, who was too flustered by Sarah's appearance to supply his own name. Hello, Mr. Peoples. Welcome to the Grand Central, he said. That'll be a dollar fifty for the night. In advance? Yep. And gold dust, if you please. Mr. Peoples, I've just spent six nights and five days on the stagecoach from Cheyenne. All my money is in the form of Wells Fargo certificates. If you can cash one into gold dust, I'd be happy to pay in advance. One of the onlookers said, You're going to let a lady sleep on the street, Peoples? A leather pouch landed on the desk beside the gold scale. Take it out of there. Another pouch joined it. Or out of here. Sarah turned to the men behind her. Thank you all so much, but I can't accept your gold. Why not? There's plenty more where that came from, ain't there, boys? Hell yes! Sam people selected a pouch and carefully weighed out the gold. When the pouches were reclaimed by their owners, the gold proved to have come out of the sack owned by a tall, lanky man with thinning dark hair and a bleary-eyed smile. Thank you, Mr... The man continued weaving and grinning in his alcoholic euphoria. Bradigan, Reese told her. His name's Patrick Bradigan. I shall repay you tomorrow as soon as I've visited the bank. He gave a floppy salute and someone stuffed his gold pouch into his pocket. It's the least I can do for a pretty lady, Bradigan mumbled. Sam sent the boys shuffling off with a doffing of hats and a chorus of good nights for the pretty little lady, which Sarah was not. She was five foot ten in her stocking feet, with plain brown hair, a nose she considered a trifle too long, and lips too thin to be remarkable. She did have passably attractive blue eyes, vivid and thick-lashed. Still, nobody with all their faculties would mistake her for pretty. She was a long-faced woman who, in all her life, had never attracted as much male attention as during the last quarter hour. "'I'm giving you a room on the third floor. It's warmest up there,' said the ingratiating Peoples, carrying the first of her trunks. "'Thank you, Mr. Peoples. Good night.' Sarah dropped to the edge of the bed, bounced once tentatively, and fell back with one arm crooked above her head. Her eyelids closed. Of her five nights on the road, only two had been spent in beds. Her last filling meal had been yesterday noon at Hill City, where she'd had bread, coffee, and venison. She'd taken her last bath in St. Louis nine days ago and smelled, she realized, like an old horse's hoof. Suppressing a groan, she forced her tired body to bend and shoved herself to her feet. She whacked the dust from her woolen suit as best she could, recombed the sides of her hair, and wiped off her face with a dry cloth. She replaced her hat, 
rammed the pin through her chignon, took her organdy pouch containing Wells Fargo certificates, her father's watch and her pen and ink, and left the room. Outside, the din from the saloon still rattled up and down the thoroughfare. The boardwalks proved intermittent, built or not built, at the whim of each lot owner who directed a building. Striding down the center of Main Street, she made a mental note to write an editorial about standardizing the height and width of the boardwalks and making them compulsory for every building along Main. And street lamps. The town needed street lamps and a paid lamp lighter to tend them at dusk and dawn. Ah, her work was cut out. At the far end of Maine, where it took a swing to the right, the wooden structures petered out and the gulch bottlenecked from three streets into one. Beyond that point, fires glimmered in the distance, dots of hazel light between the paler squares of lantern-lit tents that lay scattered along the cut like the beads of a bird.